0: test.
1: Well, good morning, Capital City Church. It is good to be with you today. My name is Pastor Jacob, and we are going to get started here in a few minutes. Um, But before that, we do have a few brief announcements. And so we want to remind you that if you are uh, a teenager or you have children between 6th to 12th grade, we have youth group every Wednesday at 7 p.m., With that being said, we are taking the youth group on a youth trip next Sunday uh, to one of our sister churches in the denomination, Crossroads in Circleville, Ohio, for a youth rally. And so if you have kids who want to be a part of of a very vibrant youth group, we would love to have you out. It's every Wednesday at 7 p.m., but next Sunday... Next Sunday, the kids are going on a youth rally trip. We wanna invite you out, the kids will have a great time. There's gonna be transportation. You just have to have the kids here by 5 p.m. next Sunday, okay? And then you can go on a date night if you want. You can do whatever you want, but we'll take them for a couple hours, um, and then we'll bring them back safe and sound. But there's a sign-up sheet for that. So parents, if you wanna send the kids to this trip, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. We just need your name and the child's name and we'll get you squared away to take the kids for a night, and you can have some fun on your own, all right? Also, we want to remind you um, that on April 1st, say it with me, April 1st. This is not an April Fool's Day joke, okay? Uh, On April 1st, we are going to have a church-wide work day, and so we've been doing these periodically. They're a great time of fellowship. Um, They also help to clean up the church, but we're prepping for Easter. And so on April 1st, we're asking you to bring your um, uh, lawn tools and everything that you need to clean up around the yard. We're going to be pulling weeds, spreading mulch, trimming bushes. So if you have a green thumb at all, or even if you don't, and you can just do manual labor, We need you to show up on that day and we're going to have a work day to make sure everything looks great and excellent for Easter Sunday because we're believing God to do big things on Easter and so we want to make things look nice for everybody showing up that first day on Easter Sunday. All right, finally, we want to remind you that um, if you give to the church, your giving goes to move the kingdom forward. We are constantly sending out missionaries. We're going to pray over some missionaries later today. And part of your giving goes to support missionaries. And so we want to say thank you for your giving. We also want to remind you that there are multiple ways to give. You can give through the donation boxes at the exits, or you can give online. But however you give, we want to say thank you. Because we know that without you and without your giving, uh, the, the gospel message that we're preaching... Um, It doesn't reach as far. And so we want to say thank you for your giving and your donations, all right? Uh, Let's pray, and then we will get into an awesome worship service, all right? Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for all you are doing and all that you continue to do. We pray, Lord God, that your hand would be upon us. Lord God, we pray that we would slow down for a moment and that we would just experience the fullness of who you are. Help us, Lord God, to be all about the kingdom. In your mighty name we pray.
2: Trust Jesus. For You are my God, and You are enough. Jesus, oh Jesus, I wanna sing my heart my heart is yours my heart is yours take it all take it all my life's in your hands my heart is yours my heart is yours take it all take it all my life's in your hands I lay down my life I take up my cross
3: But it's a whole different story when you try to apply them. And you say, God, you can take it all. Not just what I bring on Sunday morning, not the best version of me, but the the worst parts, the parts I struggle to look at, the parts I turn the lights off because I don't want to see it. Those parts, I'm bringing those to Jesus this morning. God wants to do a work. He has been so, so close to me in like the last four weeks. And there's been this consistency of praying for, God, refine me. And refining means, like, God, melt me down to the original form. Rid of all the extra process and the extra stuff that I've brought. Melt me down. Get me down to my solid element of what you created me to be. Rid of all the other stuff and the worldly things. And then God, revive me, bring revival in my heart because once you've melted me down to this perfect element that you created when I was in my mother's womb, then you can bring it back to life. You can give it purpose, you can call it. You can bring the courage to take that next step. And then God, restore. God, restore your promises in my life because you said that if I would follow you, you would never ever leave me nor forsake me. And God, you, you said that if I brought it to you that you would pick it up and you would carry it for me. So restore your promises in my life. And if I pray that God refines me, revives me, and then restores me, I believe I will see a change. And can you imagine the change we would see in this church if we started praying, God, refine me, restore, revive me, and then restore me? We might see a change in this church. We might see faith arise in the room. And all of a sudden, conquering the city of Grove City would not be hard anymore. It would not seem impossible. And these four walls would be busted open. Our territory would be widened. So my prayer this morning is that we won't only just see revival. But will we see a change in our hearts when we start to go to god with everything the good the bad and the ugly and we trust him to revive it and restore it
2: see what you can do oh God of wonders your power has no end greater things before in greater measure you will do again cause there's no prison wall you can break through no mountain you can move all things are possible there's no broken body you can raise no soul that you can save all things are possible the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up victory and now you're seated forever on the throne so why should my heart be There's no more. Come on. God of revival, we'll pour it, oh, we'll pour it out. Every stronghold will climb. I hear the chains hit the ground. God of revival, we'll pour it out, we'll pour it out. Father, we just come to you this morning. We bring our Lord God. We pray for Jesus your Holy Spirit Jesus to come and to fill this room, to we fill Lord. our hearts this morning, God. We don't know. What you want to do with this church, with Capital City Church, and the leadership that you have put here, Father, the, the, the three churches that have come together, God. everyone comes from a different background, but God, we thank Jesus, you for your Holy Spirit that can come and can anoint the leadership and can anoint the ministries and can work through this city, can work through the city of Columbus and the surrounding communities, God, and we, Lord, Lord we know that you are going to do such a great thing through this church, God, and we ask that you would come this morning right now and you would fill our hearts and you would help us to receive whatever we need from you god today we just thank you father for your holy spirit believing in faith oh, 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 oh god of revival voices this morning
3: No, all you won't kick down Lie, you won't tear down Coming after me
0: I've been held by Savior. I've felt fire from above. I've been down to the river. I ain't the same. A prodigal return. I've worn shackles and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. Come on and see. oh in
4: Jesus as they come
0: There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man, break him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two, yes, Lord. Then he picked me up and he showed me what it means to be a man. Come on and sing, oh my hope is in Jesus. we just thank you for all that you do, Lord. We are so unworthy of the grace that you give us. But God, it is a great reminder that no matter how lost we may feel, no matter how far gone we think we are, God, you can still use us. Your best work is still ahead of you, Lord. And, God, my prayer now is just as we go from worshiping you in song to worshiping you in your word, God, that you would just move in a special way. Lord, I pray that you would give Pastor Jonathan the words that he needs to say. Let it be evident that they are words from you and you alone, God. Let your will be done, and in your name we pray.
5: I'm pointing that at you like I'm going to come after you a little bit, huh? <laughs> All right, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, good morning. It's a good place to be today. I woke up this morning and I thought, man, between daylight savings time and the snow, nobody's coming. So I'm glad you're not one of those people. If you're watching online, I love you too. That's why we have a live streams so that when you can't make it out. Uh, you can still be with us and follow along in the worship and the word. Um, if you want to find your way to a passage, we'll be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be in Luke 15 for a few weeks. Um, but we're starting a new series today entitled Lost. Um, and and again, there sometimes it, be careful when you're reading the scriptures if you come across something and you feel like it's redundant. Um, because it's not. There's something deeper to be found when something's being said over and over again. And Jesus was trying to communicate a lot to us here. One of the most important passages of Scripture we see in Jesus' ministry can be found in this parable in Luke 15. And just to set the scene for you a little bit, um, we see Jesus in this parable in Luke 15. We see Jesus responding to the accusation of the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the time. He was accused by them of hanging out with or receiving sinners and eating with them and Jesus responds to them in a parable not three separate parables but one parable from three different perspectives they all are about the lost in this particular teaching we see Jesus describe three different types of lost people That we will find and interact with in our world today. That's what we're looking for when we read scripture. How it relates to where we are today. It doesn't mean to change the scriptures to fit where we are today. It means to understand them in light of where we are today. In this passage we see the working of God's redemptive plan. Being carried out for the salvation of the lost. And we find celebration of the lost being found. Each portion of this parable. And, and I really would. I would encourage you to study Luke 15 over the next couple weeks as me and Jacob present it to you. But each portion of this parable proclaims the same main idea. Catch this. Lost souls lost. Lost souls saved. Earth and heaven rejoicing over the lost, being no longer lost. Lost, found, rejoice. Lost, found rejoice let's take a look at the text luke chapter 15 verses 3 through 7 and so he told them this parable this is remember in response to the pharisees accusations what man among you if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them does not leave the other 99 in the open pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it And when he has found it, he puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over every other person that's sitting in this church right now. 99 who don't need repentance. Jesus spoke in parables often, connecting things of everyday life with eternity. Jesus starts this parable by making it clear to all of us that he is the good shepherd. He is the one who gives his life for his sheep. Jesus is the shepherd, and we are his sheep. Over and over again, we see scripture referring to people as sheep and the Lord as being the shepherd. In Isaiah 40, the Bible says the Lord tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. In Psalm chapter 100, God, it says God made us. We belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. There's many more that reflect this idea of shepherd and sheep. And then in one of the most pivotal verses of Of all, found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, we read these words. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I have a handful of ideas this morning, they're all going to be pretty quick hitters. The first one is that we were all innocently lost. What does this mean? We just mentioned that the prophet Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. This is before Christ had come, when Isaiah is talking, but far after Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden. Our sinful nature, our our human condition qualifies us all at one time or another as being in a wandering, helpless, and really as an innocent sheep, not innocent in the sense that we are free from our sinful nature, not innocent in the sense that we're not responsible for our behavior, but innocent because of a lack of knowledge and understanding of who God is. Before we are done preaching this series, we will talk about sheep that are lost innocently, a coin that was lost carelessly, and a son that was lost willingly. So there are definitely pictures of us being uh, uh, being about uh, there are definitely pictures of uh, about us being able to protect against being lost or wandering away, but, but Jesus wanted us to know that there are many who are in a place of needing a shepherd. Many who are in the need of knowing, uh, knowing the gospel. Many who do not understand that it is safer to be in the folds of God, the good shepherd, than out in the world among the predators and the elements of this culture and the sin which it offers. So if we're here today and we've come to Christ, we are thankful for the Good Shepherd. But this morning, my message to the church is one that is focused on our need to reach the lost sheep, the innocent wanderer, the ones who don't understand and recognize the protection and the provision of the Father. I believe a great opportunity for the church today is to understand that more are innocently lost than we recognize. Our second thought this morning is that we fail to see others as innocent. From the oldest in this room today down to the youngest, the greater our misconception is about our culture's understanding of God. At the age of 40 at times, I have taken for granted what it means that I was raised in the church in a pastor's home and in a Christian school. But even if you weren't afforded some of those opportunities, if you're older than me, there's still a great likelihood that during your upbringing, you had a reference point that included more biblical principles and respect for Christianity than those who have been born in the last 20 to 30 years. Proverbs 22 tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they get older, they won't depart from it, because they will have a reference point. But this generation hasn't been trained up, and they have no reference point. In the first chapter of John, John refers to Jesus as the light and says that the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness could not understand it and nor could they overcome it. So today we see so much darkness because we are not being the carriers and distributors of light that we should be. Psalm 33 says, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, but our nation has never been more biblically illiterate than it is in 2023. We have given this generation less tools, less training, condone more sin, allowed more perversion, disrespect, and blasphemy than ever before. And then we've turned around and blamed them for growing up to become a picture of the culture that we've created for them to live in. I know that's hard this morning, church, but this leads me to our next thought, and that's that we expect too much of the innocent. We expect too much of the innocent. I believe that we've put a burden on them that's more than they can bear, I believe this stems from the fact that putting the burden on them keeps us from admitting that we've failed them. Now look, I'm I'm 12 and a half years into parenting. And I think we all know none of us raised our kids and goes, man, I did it perfect. I wouldn't have changed anything. Constantly feeling like you could have done it better, would have done it better, should have done it better. Learned how you could have done it better as you got older, whatever the case might be. But we can take ownership now. We can take ownership now for a generation that's lost and dying and going to hell. But we have to quit putting so much expectation on them. This expectation of them grows from our lack of desire to leave the farm and go to the places where they are. Look, we don't like where the generation ahead of us, whatever generation you're in, it makes you uncomfortable. It's been this way throughout history that nobody's ever been excited to go be where the generation ahead of them is. It's not that comfortable we don't want to leave the farm to go to the places where they are we might go to serve them food or give them clothes and that's fantastic ministry but bringing sheep into the fold that are wandering in the world requires doing the hard work of developing relationships and engaging with them even though they don't understand how we think or believe they don't get it they don't get god Don't lead with your political views. Don't lead with what you think about the latest thing that's going on in the news or the pandemic. Lead with understanding, helping them understand that all your hope is in Jesus. Because they don't even know where a source of hope is in this life. We have to do the hard work of developing relationships and engaging with them, even though they don't understand how we think or believe, and we don't understand how they think or believe. It means not, it means not just leaving our comfort zone from a demographic perspective that might involve race, financial status, or location. It means finding yourself developing relationships with people. With people who have no understanding of Christianity. And patiently leading them to the good shepherd. Instead it's been said of us in America 2023. That we are a people that want the greatest amount of comfort for the least amount of work. If you haven't noticed... Cruises and all inclusive vacations are more accessible than ever before. You might note, I just read this this week, that Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler, offered free and affordable vacations to the people of his country in order to keep them distracted from the incredible atrocities he was committing right under their noses. We have sat idly by in our comfort because we demand too much for our righteousness. We demand too much our righteousness the scripture today told us that Jesus rejoices more over one than 99 can this be said of us since I've been the pastor here we've baptized more than 20 people I wonder how many of them you know I wonder how many of them you've developed a relationship with I wonder if you recognize whether or not they're still attending here today. How you answer these questions might help you understand which one you value more, the one or the 99. We celebrate the one for a moment, but then quickly go back to the 99, not recognizing that the most likely sheep to wander off is the one we just went and brought back into the fold. Do you know that? I'll just tell you a little funny story, it's at the, at the pastor's expense, it just came to mind, it happened to me yesterday, I went for a walk yesterday, a very short walk, wanted to get outside, get some fresh air, stretch a little bit, haven't walked down the road one way or the other too much since we've lived in the house where we've lived, and two houses down there's a farm, if you will, it seems very oddly, if you drive by, by our street on, on State Route 62, it seems an unusual place to have so many animals, I really just, you you ever just go for a walk? You know what I mean? You just want to relax. Just kind of breathe a little bit. I I wasn't trying to exercise. There's difference. There's power walking. There's going for a jog. I I mean, leisurely walk, this pace. I just kind of some deep breaths along the way. And this turkey won't quit chasing me. (laughs) I mean, I looked like a fool out there. Because I'm not... I'm not afraid of turkeys, per se. I don't think I am. <laughs> but I'm just kind of walking in a straight line, walking along, and then, you know, you just kind of look and, oh, you're still following. And then you're kind of walking and, and, and you know, well, I just kind of pick up the pace a little bit. Like maybe they've got a boundary line. Then all of a sudden it kind of turns into one of these... I, every time I did that little move to get away from the turkey a car drove by and just pointed laughed at me. Like they knew what was happening and they thought it was funny and I couldn't do anything about it. Probably I don't know, 50 60 animals out, and there's a lot of animals in this little place. I watched the owner, I think she sat there. I think she was sitting on her back porch with a cup of coffee watching the whole thing just laughing. Walked out, waved at me, smiled. Open the gate, let the turkey back in. <laughs> 30 seconds later, one animal's back out. Which one do you think it was? On the horse or the chicken or the goats or whatever else they have. Same one. The sense of wandering, moving away. When someone gives their life to Jesus, they've just left a place of wandering, a place of wondering what's going you know all this stuff they're out there involved in the world they've just made this decision and it doesn't take long for them to say is it really better here inside the fold I'm not sure that we recognize that the most likely to wander off is the one that just came in some of you honestly I couldn't run you off if I tried to isn't that about right is that good you're just, you've made up your mind, you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to be a part of Cap City Church. I could probably go out and puncture your tires right now. So, said, well, pastor probably had good meaning with it. I mean, you're just great, great people, you're going to be here. But that new Christian's vulnerable. Enemy's trying to get to him because he knows that they're the most likely one to wander off. I'm looking to lead a church who believes our greatest attention should always be given to the center first, the new Christian second, and then the spiritual growth of everyone. And if you've been attending church for any length of time that you would consider a long time, you should be walking in a place of maturity that is more interested in the one sheep than the 99. Unfortunately, I'm afraid our excitement over the one isn't as great as our expectation. As part of the 99. I'm not sure that our excitement over the 1 is as great as our expectation as being part of the 99. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And the Apostle Paul wrote to his protege Timothy that this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am greatest. When we focus more on our status... In our privilege as part of the 99 than the one that is lost, we have forgotten the reality of our own lostness. This will lead us to pride, self-righteousness, and entitlement that believes that church leadership exists to meet the needs of the righteous rather than training Christians to care for one another and evangelize the lost. My job is not first and foremost to be your shepherd, it's to teach you to be a shepherd. God's called us all to shepherd one another. This leads me to what I believe is the central theme of this passage. One of the central themes, anyhow, is that we must take on the heart of the shepherd. There's this picture, this story of Jesus and the disciples. They're getting ready to go get into a boat. They're tired. They're worn out. Jesus been, Jesus needs some solitude, some time to get away, be with the Father. We see him do this frequently after he healed. What happened, and, and we talked about this a little bit in the flow, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He'd go and perform miracles, and the Spirit would go out of him. It was actually, you know, in a sense, in the most divine sense, a commodity where the Holy Spirit would pass from him to others in a way of healing spiritually, physically, and he would need to refill the tank. He'd need to be filled again with the Spirit of God, so he'd want to go away. Some of the disciples had just come back for their first mission trip. They're going to go take a break, and a bunch of people have followed Jesus and found him. in this place of needing a break, of needing to get away, of doing all the work that he's done, it says he looked at the people, and it says he was moved with compassion, because he saw the people as, a sheep, as sheep without a shepherd. Michelle uh, Heller along with our Thrive Group leaders and Scott and Tara and all of our children workers have done a great job at developing groups and ministries and classes designed to help us take care of one another. We are trying to equip you to be a pastor. Not in the sense of needing to go get licensing or preach on Sunday mornings, but to care for other people. Every one of you can shepherd someone or multiple someones. Plenty of you already are, and I couldn't be more proud of you. We need shepherds with an eye for the lost sheep to know, feel, and see that there are sheep that aren't in the fold yet, that are innocently lost, and they need to be loved and nurtured and rescued from the evils of this world. Are the lost important to us today, church? Every lost sheep is valuable in God's eyes. That includes those who frustrate us, those who've, tur- that we- who've turned their backs on us, and those we've turned our backs on. Those we've overlooked, and even those who have betrayed us. If you're praying for God's will for your life, let me help you find a great place to start. God said it is his will that not one lost soul would perish So how are you participating in God's will in the relationships that are in your life to do everything that you can to make sure that they don't perish in a devil's hell? Just as the shepherd in the parable searched for the lost, lifted the lost up, and saved the lost sheep, that's exactly what Christ does for those who will trust him for salvation. He came seeking me. He came seeking you. And it's not his desire that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. He is seeking every single lost person in this world right now. Nobody is being overlooked. Nobody is unknown to him. He is calling them unto himself. This is a great statement that you need to keep in mind next time you're not sure whether or not you can break the ice with somebody over a discussion about God. You will never, ever, ever encounter someone who God is not dealing with. Never encounter. God was dealing with you, wasn't he, once upon a time? God was dealing with you, and each and every person that you encounter today, God is dealing with. And if you would speak the name of Jesus to them, if you would speak a word of hope, you could make a connection with them, because God has created us in his image, and his, his desire to draw us unto himself. God is searching for those lost, no matter how lost they are, no matter how far in sin they have wandered. Jesus knows each and every one of them, and he cares about them. If you're lost today, if you're here and you say, I think I might be one of those people. God's been dealing with me. Jesus knows, and he's the one that's speaking to your heart. He's here today, and he can be found, and he's looking for you. That's why Jesus came to this earth. To seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus left his home in heaven. He took upon himself the form of a man. And he came into this world to lay down his life. For those who were and those who are lost. Um. I'm not even supposed, to, generally speaking, I'm not even supposed to be allowed to use tools. I usually get hurt. <laughs> Allison can tell you stories. Uh, we have tools around the house so that Wesley can break them. That's why I buy them. <laughs> so he has something to play with. I mean, I just almost consider. But every once in a while, I, I find something that's simple enough that I, I can do, and uh just just a basic drill. Um, ah, it's been a few months ago. I, I, I remember as a preacher, sometimes God brings something to your mind. And I wrote this down as kind of a note, and I didn't know when or how I was going to use it. But it was like, it was a typical weekday morning. The morning rush is going on. One kid going to school, two others getting ready to go to school. Me and Allison, one after the other right outside the door. And I have no idea why I needed the drill. I can't remember. Maybe I woke up that morning and felt especially froggy and was going to fix something that was driving me crazy. Allison, do you know where the drill is? No, I don't know where it is. This was my response Wesley lost the drill. He's not in here. I would put a disclaimer out there, but you'll find out. Dad's the bad guy in this story. Wesley lost the drill. And the Holy Spirit just stopped me right there. And he said, why did you say that, Jonathan? Why did you say Wesley lost the drill? Now, Wesley uses the drill more than anybody else. That's, that's why I said it. That was my reasoning. Number one, he, he's the one that uses it most frequently. Number two, I couldn't have lost the drill. There's no chance. Number three, I can't find it and someone has to be blamed. And I do, I remember pausing right there at the counter. And I think I said this all to Allison, maybe I just thought it out loud, I don't know. I said, where's the drill supposed to go? Some of you are way more, most of you are more organized than me, I would imagine. Where's the drill supposed to go? And I looked at Allison, I said, how can I blame Wesley for the drill being lost if we've never put, made a place where it's supposed to be? Church, we've got to be careful. We're blaming a lot of lost people because they're in the wrong place. They don't know where they're supposed to be. they don't have the reference point that we had. Many of you remember a time before maps, before Google Maps and Apple Maps and GPS and all those things. Remember when you had to have a map or know where you were going? Do you know when you go back to wherever you came from, you know how to get around, don't you? You know what I'm talking about? You know all the little side streets and All the shortcuts, you grew up there. Because over and over and over again, someone took you down that path. Your mom, your dad, you knew the path, you you knew the places to go. We have a generation today that's relying on GPS because nobody's taking them down the roads. Over and over again, they're having to rely on directions from someone else because they haven't driven the maps to where now, if you haven't noticed some and maybe some of you have fallen in this trap. I know I've from time to time I've turned on the GPS to drive to places I know how to get to. I'm gonna invite the team to come this morning. There's a couple times in my parenting career that my children have been in horrible accidents. I mean, really they really weren't good. And they involved a lot of blood, a lot of stitches, a lot of pain, a lot of screaming and crying. And in both cases, within a few seconds, they were in my arms. I don't know how many of you ever had the of carrying one of your children a mile as they were covered in blood and continued to bleed. But in both cases, do you know what I said to them? Why did you do this? Why did you get hurt? Why didn't you know better? I hope you learned your lesson. Of course not. I wanted to do everything that I could, as quickly as I could, to get them the medical attention that they needed. It didn't matter. As I was running that mile, with Wesley in my arms, with blood pouring out of his midsection, he kept saying, Dad, it was my fault. It's all my fault. I said, no, it's not, buddy. It's going to be okay. We have a generation that thinks everything's their fault. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed. They feel blamed. They're taking on all this pressure, all this blame. I remember in those moments that my heart was broken for my children. I remember thinking, God, why couldn't it have been me? Church, that's the kind of compassion that God wants us to have for the lost. And it's the love that God showed for each one of us when we were lost. I think we're still singing reckless love. No, it's okay, it doesn't matter. I was just going to tell you about a line in that song. And that song, we said, when I was your foe, your, your love fought for me. The scriptural parallel there is from Romans 5, 8 that says, while we were still in sin, to be in sin is to hate the love, the law of God. While we hated him, while we wanted to kill him and tear him down, his love fought for us. Church, we've got to get back to a place where we're fighting for the lost, where we're doing everything that we can to know that the lost are dying and going to hell. And while they're born with a sin nature, while they're each, each and every one is still responsible for their eternal destiny, I want to do everything I can to give them every chance that I can to find Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. understand this morning that the love of God is in hot pursuit of the lost it's only by the power of the gospel that a lost soul can be saved there's only one true gospel but how can anyone be saved the Bible says if they don't hear the gospel you own the greatest gift in the world and it's free for you to give away the gospel is this That God loved you in such a deep and unfathomable way that he was willing to drop everything to chase after you in hot pursuit to bring you back to him. The love of God is displayed by the person, the life, the death, the burial, and the blessed resurrection morning of Jesus Christ. Jesus really, really, really wants you to be saved. He really does. He wants you to know that it's better on this side. That all your hope can be in Jesus. That whatever you're holding on to, it's not as good as what he's got for you. But if you're saved, he also wants the lost around you to be saved. So this morning, I'm going to ask that you come and pray. And I want you to ask God to renew the passion you once had to see the lost come to Christ. This is the challenge simply this morning and over the next few weeks. Lost be found, found seek the lost. Lost be found, found seek the lost. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that you withheld nothing on our behalf. if necessary, would you call to mind in each and every individual in this place today, the time that they were lost, when they were without hope, how someone spoke into their life, when they found Jesus. And God, that you would ignite a fire and a passion within them to recognize what a difference their story makes, what difference their testimony makes, what their life could do, everything that they've been through in their life. God, that you want to turn it for good and use it for your glory to lead others to repentance. God, help us to be faithful in answering the call, to join you in the call that we should not want to see any perish, but that all would come to repentance. Lord, help us to make decisions in this direction today, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: in the morning When I
1: to give a moment for people to um, continue to pray, and uh, at this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our online audience. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we want to invite you every Sunday at 1030 um, here on Rathmill Road, but thank you for tuning in. Um, As we transition the service, I just want to say, you know, in case you're wondering,